You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, everyone from San Francisco. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, November 1st, and I am very happy to be joined by fellow South Stands contributor, Chad Plummer in Northeast Ohio. Chad, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing well, Z. Thank you. How Excellent. are you? Excellent. Great. Good to be All with right. you, my friend. Excellent. We are also joined well, by our man on the ground in Denver, Mr. Paige Van Horn, PBH. What's the good word? Oh, just working a little hangover, but we're all good, buddy. You and me both, my friend. You and me both. In fact, I got a little hair of the dog right here in my in my right hand. So, of course, we are wow, here. Wow, that's early. It, it is early. Deal. Yeah, 10 a.m., you know, I, I, mimosa I, action there, you know. 10 a.m., that's allowed, right, on a Sunday? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Sparkling rosé and tours. <laughs> all right. Well, we are here to recap Ohio State's 38-25 win over Penn State in Happy Valley last night. But fellas, before we get into that, I want to remind our listeners about our new website, which you can visit at southstandsosu.com. You can listen to all of our podcast episodes there and check out our new blog. I also want to invite our listeners to head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the podcast. We'd greatly appreciate your feedback there. Also, we invite you to give us a follow on Twitter at south underscore stands. That's south underscore stands. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you have any questions or feedback for us, you can send us an email at thesouthstandsosu at gmail.com. Okay, so last night, Justin Fields, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson were all explosive for the second week in a row, though this time against a pretty good Penn State defense. Justin Fields was a surgeon in the passing game, finishing 28 of 34 for 318 yards and four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Receiver Chris Olave finished with seven receptions for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Garrett Wilson caught 11 balls from the slot for 111 yards. He also opened the game with a 62-yard run on a jet sweep. That's a wrinkle I don't think any of us have seen before, certainly not uh, not with Wilson. The Buckeyes also got a solid performance from Master Teague in the run game. That was really good to see. Teague finished the night with 110 yards on 23 carries and a touchdown. Trey Sermon chipped in 56 yards on 13 carries. Tight end Jeremy Ruckert had a nice game with two TD catches. Now on defense, the story of the game was the Ohio State front seven led by nose tackle Tommy Togiai, who led the Buckeyes with seven tackles and three sacks. Guys, when was the last time a nose tackle and three sacks for Ohio State. I cannot think of a, a player in my days as an Ohio State fan at that position turning into three sacks. That's crazy. Tackle Haskell Garrett was also very disruptive on the interior for Ohio State. His story is amazing. He, he continues to have a very impactful season at that position despite coming off a gunshot wound this offseason. I also like what I saw to Jonathan Cooper and Zach Harrison. They both flash night at, from defensive end. And I got to give credit where credit is due, boys. The Ohio State linebackers, Tough Borland and Chad, your boy, Pete Warner, both really good last night. They were a big reason Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford was not able to get much of anything in the run game. We knew Penn State was going to rely on Clifford in the run game. Penn State finished the night with 44 yards on 27 attempts. Now, things got a little sloppy in the fourth quarter as Sean Clifford was able to connect with Jahan Dotson for a couple of touchdowns. 
Now, Dotson had a really nice night against Sean Wade, so give him some credit, boys. He finished with 144 yards receiving and three touchdowns, but really Dotson was the lone bright spot for Penn State. And in the end, I think his contributions were a little too little too late, I, I, I think. The Buckeyes outgained Penn State 526 to 325, dominated time of possession 37 to 23. Now, Penn State was gifted six points by the officials. There was that weird phantom roughing the passer penalty on Baron Browning that extended Penn State's first scoring drive. There was also a very strange situation at the end of the half where Ohio State thought it had successfully run out the clock on fourth down, only to have the officials give the ball to Penn State at the Ohio State 36-yard line with one second left to get a cheapy field goal uh, on the board for Penn State before the half. The Buckeyes missed two chip shot field goals and helped the final score look a little bit more respectable. But last night, I think, was clearly a situation where the final score was not really an indication of how badly Ohio State really dominated that game. The Buckeyes moved to 2-0 and will face Rutgers next Saturday in prime time, by the way, in the shoe. Okay, fellas. Now, I want to start with what we saw from Justin Fields and the Ohio State passing game, because I think you'll agree with me. We're seeing something pretty special there. Chad, I want to start with you. Tell me what you saw from the Ohio State passing game last night. Well, I got to tell you, that uh, that field man, I mean, we all knew he was a special player last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you what, in the offseason, he has stepped up his game. I mean, that that kid can throw the football. Yes, he can. I mean, even under pressure, he puts it on the money. Yeah. How many times last night did a receiver actually have to stop for the ball? Good point. Not one. Not once. I mean, the, he, the, the receivers are running right under him. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And the uh, the one where he got away and almost fell down, you talk oh, about right. having strength in your legs, yeah. and then throws that pass as he's falling down, which is a beautiful pass. I mean, it's just, it's such, it's so, like, I, it warms my heart to watch that kid throw the ball. He's special. Yeah, yeah, he's special. PVH, what did you see from the Ohio State passing game last night? Well, I wonder um, when did they just abandon the run game? Because when you're that good and that efficient, yeah, uh, it, it's something I think you kind of, you know, we could laugh and chuckle about it. But um, I have a buddy here in, in Colorado who was saying that uh, last night. I mean, the run game was definitely better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like you said, T flashed some, you know, a little bit uh I guess a tougher running style. Sermon actually had a pretty decent game. And I think the offensive line played lights out. And yeah, that's the did. other thing. Fields has all day. Yeah. I mean, a couple of times he got hit. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's one thing to have the skill set that he has clearly. But it's another thing when you just, you know, you can sit back there, go through your read three, four or five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and his accuracy is pretty amazing. I don't Oof. think any of us saw that coming. So, yeah, and I would, you know, I was thinking about it watching the game. I was like, is this the most prolific passing attack in the history of Ohio State with Wilson and Alave and Fields? Mm. I mean, it's got to be debate. I mean, you could, I think you could make a pretty start, strong argument that it is. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. I want to I put this question to both of you. Chad, how would you compare this passing game to what we just saw just two years ago with Dwayne Haskins and that record-setting passing game? How would you compare the two? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, Dwayne Haskins was uh, a very, uh, I won't use the word prolific, but he was a very good passer. I mean, he had a lot of time, like Paige said. 
Um, but I, I just feel like Fields is just, he's gone to another place, another mm-hmm. level. He mm-hmm. shifted into another gear and it just, and I, and it, you know what? A lot of it, uh, Paige made a very good point about the O line. He does have a lot of time, yeah. but we do with that receiving core we have, they, they're, they're special as well. I mean, they're mm-hmm. running just great routes oh. and it's just, you know, as much as I loved Haskins and that, that passing game, um, you know, I, it, it'd be hard, hard press for me to say that uh, I wouldn't favor the fields, Olave, Wilson, and sprinkle in some other guys like, you know, Jameson. Lane. They got him in the game last night. What did he catch? Like three, two or three passers? A couple that were balls, yeah. Nice to trying two. to incorporate him. Yeah. PVH, how would you compare what we're seeing now to what we saw just a couple of years ago with Dwayne Haskins in, in the Ohio State passing game? Well, in fairness to, to Haskins, he, our, our receivers were good. They're just not as good as these guys. These guys no. are better. So right. that definitely is a huge advantage field. I mean, it's kind of funny, too, because like they're so confident in the run game, like those um, like I think it was fourth down when he threw the touchdown to Rucker or yeah, Rucker in the, yeah. in the end zone. I mean, you know, it's, it's just like, they're not afraid. Like they almost hundred percent believe that they can get whatever they want yeah. with the passing game, which is really pretty astonishing. And so, you know, the amount of weapons that are at his disposal is just absurd. And so I think, you know, as great as Haskins was, um, you know, it's more of a pro style quarterback. Um, just the escapability that Fields has and the ability to run when he takes off, I think you're going with Fields here. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think if you were to go into a lab and build the perfect college passing game, we might be looking at it because you have a player in Justin Fields who is in total command of the offense and in total command of his own game. The one thing I love about Fields is a is a is a, a kid who has a baseball background, is he has the ability to to throw the ball from different arm angles and put different English on the ball depending on what he thinks he needs. If he needs to to get it over a linebacker or a safety, he had a a completion. I want to say it was in the second half. I don't remember the exact play, but it went for a, about a 25 yard pass but I, I believe it was to Alave it might have been to Wilson but i remember when he released the ball i was like oh his arm got hit cuz the ball kind of floated and it was this little yeah. floater yeah. and it landed perfectly in stride and i believe it was Wilson who brought it in for like a 20 it was 25 yard and i and i remember thinking oh his arm must have gotten hit that's going to land incomplete <laughs> instead it went right to Wilson but i think that's i think that's fields just manipulating the the English on the ball, you know, we, we've seen him on some of those short crossing routes where he goes about three quarter on the release. And Chad, to your point, you mentioned earlier, he's hitting these guys in stride where they can they can catch the ball in full speed, you know, in yeah. full stride and, and make things happen after the catch. So you've got a quarterback in fields who's next level, second year in that offense, total command of the offense. And you can see Ryan Day now opening up the playbook. We're seeing things we've never seen before. You have an offensive line that is giving him all day to throw. And then you have playmakers on the outside in Olavi and Wilson, who I think we have not seen receivers of this caliber, especially paired together in quite a while. And not only right. be, from what from physically what they can do, but also I think there's an intellect there, an intelligence in the way both of these receivers play. They run precise routes. They're very smart players, 
And then finally, you've got a play caller and Ryan Day coupled with Kevin Wilson, what they're doing, play calling. Doesn't it seem like there's just an ease with the passing? I mean, you've already got a guy in fields who can make all the throws, but it seems like a lot of his throws are super easy. The guys are wide open. Garrett Wilson is running wide open from the slot. You needed a third and six. There's Wilson for a wide open for a 15, 20 yard completion. So you factor in all of those things. It is as if Ryan Day went into a lab and came out with the perfect passing game. Now we'll see how things go as the schedule evolves, but I think Penn State was probably the best defense they're going to see during the regular season. I, I can't imagine they're going to right. see any any team better than that. But that was my big takeaway with this offense. Chad, I agree with you. I think we're seeing a next-level evolution in this passing game from what we saw two years ago. It is it is really something to behold. How about that pass to Olave? Like, I think it was our first uh, – one of the first or second touchdowns where Fields threw it up and he – like. Lave put his hands down over the guy's like you know helmet and caught the ball. Unbelievable. I mean, like that pass was, I mean, just unbelievable. And when you you said that about uh, Fields with like the English and different throwing angles, and by no means am I trying to make any comparisons, but you know you see Patrick Mahomes do those kinds of things yeah. when he's throwing the ball. Oh yeah. Oh, and, and I, it kind of yep. just reminds me a little bit of like you know what he's able to make you make those adjustments with his arm and. I like that comparison because no doubt Fields is watching Mahomes and maybe borrowing from his game. I, I, I really, when I've, when I've seen him, especially in those crossing routes, when he goes three-quarter kind of right. almost sidearm, I'm like, he, he borrowed that from Patrick Mahomes, you know, yeah. repertoire, right? Wouldn't you think? Paige, any other observations on the passing game you'd like to share before we, we move on? I, no, I think it's just easy. Like the, those Penn State defensive backs, although um, who Porter, that guy's a, that guy's a, He's a, a beast. Gamer. Yeah. He, he can play. Yeah. He, um, but still, those guys are getting, you know, they're playing 10 yards off them. So, you know, just, you know, up and outs. And, you know, he didn't even really unleash crossing patterns yesterday. It's anything that they want to do, they can do. It's, yeah. it's, honestly, it's just too easy right now. And that was against the best team they're going to freaking play all year. Yeah. I mean, what is, you know, what's going to happen when they play Rutgers in, in Maryland? I mean, when honestly, like the, the talent level on the other side of the ball, Penn State is just clearly the best team they're going to face all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, it's scary to think what they'll they'll come up with or yeah. what they'll do to these opposing defenses. I mean, going into the game, I thought Penn State was kind of uniquely equipped to, to deal with this Ohio State passing game. I thought they were very good at defensive end. And, and neither of those defensive ends for Penn State had any impact on the game. And I think they are genuinely good players. And those are those are... Those are NFL defensive ends. Those kids are playing on Sundays. And at corner as well, Paige, you mentioned him, Joey Porter Jr. They've got some guys that can play, and they were helpless to stop that Ohio State passing attack. I mean, and I think, was there any more evidence of kind of the desperation from James Franklin when he goes for it on fourth and short on his side of the field on the first possession of the game? (laughs) <laughs> right. We can't we can't stop these guys. We've got to just try to score every time we can. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're seeing something very, very special in the Ohio State passing game. Perhaps something we've never seen before. O- Olave and Wilson, I, I don't know that we've had two receivers as good as those two on the roster at the same time. Now we had Michael Thomas and the burner. Help me out, guys. Uh, in, in 2014. Devin I know, Smith. Devin Smith. Thank you. Thank you. That's who I was thinking of, uh, Chad. Yeah. yeah Devin Smith. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. And Michael Thomas. Were I was, pretty I was going to say San Antonio Holmes. Oh, well, yeah, okay. So there you go. No, no, actually, Paige. Yeah. Paige, you make a good point. Yeah, I think not since San Antonio Holmes and Ted Ginn Jr. and and Gonzalez have we been this good and this diverse at receiver. I mean, that's the, I think you have to go back to those yeah. guys. They're, they're very special at, at those positions. So the sky is the limit for the high state passing game. What did you guys think of what we saw in the run game? Paige, I want to start with you. What did you think of, of what we got out of the Ohio State running backs, Sermon and Teague yesterday? Yeah, better, definitely better. Um, but again, I think a lot of that comes down to the offensive line. There were holes there. Yeah. Duke ran, um, you know, he ha- he had some good runs. I, you know, it's it's a step back from Dobbins. It just is. I don't think that's going to change. I think that's pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, um, a foregone conclusion at this point. The the good that's the bad news. The good news is it's not going to matter, right? They just <laughs> need to even have the threat of the run game. Yeah. Um, and and that's all they need. And you know, if they can get 150 yards rushing, then I, I mean, I have a hard time seeing anybody beating this team. And so the, that was the other thing. And the uh, um, the or the other pieces, uh, did Fields run the ball? Was there a single called run for him all night? I don't recall one. I don't recall one either. Uh, Fields finished the game. Actually, I'm looking at uh, yeah the rushing totals here. Fields only six carries. Fields had negative four. Yeah, yeah. Six carries for, right, negative four, but I think that includes the two sacks because with quarterbacks, they include the sack, right. uh, the sack yardage. Yeah, only six carries. And I think most of those were just him running from the pocket, you know, after not being able to find anybody downfield. They were not designed runs. I don't remember a single designed run for Fields in the game. Chad, do you? No, I, I really don't. And that's like the first time in like, how long that that that's actually we've had a game where that hasn't been drawn up for him to to run? Yeah, no, it's been a while. Remember, okay, yeah, yeah. What did you think of, yeah. of of Teague and Sermon yesterday, Chad? Any thoughts on the on the two of those guys? Well, well you know, it, it's a, I was surprised because like we had forty five rushes yesterday compared to thirty four yard or thirty four passing. Yeah, yeah, you know, which was kind of kind of crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, it, Teague had some very explosive – and you made a good point in our text thread uh, yesterday, Z, about uh, how Teague is a uh, much better inside runner. Yeah. And, you know, he, he had some great runs last night. Now, you know, and, and I think you might have said this a couple of weeks ago on the pod, how they're both coming off the injury mm-hmm. and, and not. But I did see um, a flash or two last night of, I think, how sermon's going to be as the deeper we go into uh, the season and and the you know Big Ten championship and the college playoffs. I mean, I think there's some. Um, I think we're gonna he's gonna be a, a baller by the time we get to that that situation when we need him because he had a, a run last night that would he got just a scene to the outside and he had a he's got wheels, man. Mm, yeah. Um, but you know, Teague is obviously you know our you know give it to him right up the right up the gut. Yeah, he he just puts his helmet down, and runs people over. Yeah. I mean, so but um, Sermon's more of a a fast, like you know, finesse runner. I mean, yep. you know, he I saw him make block, you know, take off a couple tackles last night. But yeah, I mean, you know, like Kate said, like, you know, it's it's great that you know it is not a J.K. Dobbins. You know, we will be having that coming in next year with Trayvon Henderson and and Evan Pryor. I think mm-hmm. we'll probably never see a running back duo like that not to get ahead of um you know i, I get excited about the recruits <laughs> coming in but 
you know, I, I think like, you know, it's, it's just, everybody's like, wow, they, they have such a, such a special passing game, but we can't sleep on the running game either because I mean, it's just, you know, will you take that, you know, offensive line and the, the, the running backs and Sermon and, um, Tig, you know, you, you can't sleep on that offense, man. It's like, it's, it's special. Really potent. Yeah. I think master Teague distinguished himself last night as the lead back. And I have a feeling going forward, we're going to see more of a 60, 40, 65, 35 split between Teague and sermon. I thought Teague was more efficient in the uh, red zone. He was more effective in the red zone. Sermon likes to bounce things outside. You know, he played in the, the Big 12, so he's a little bit more of a f- finesse runner. Chad, as I think you pointed out already. I think Teague's going to be the guy at tailback. Paige, I agree with you. I think he's going to give him a solid – he presents a solid threat in the run game for Ohio State. But I, I think last night what we saw against a pretty good Penn State defense on the road, Teague distinguishing himself – so I think Teague's the man at, at tailback. That was my big takeaway from the running game. And it was also good to see Wait. Justin Fields, six carries. 15 was way too many last uh, last week. I was just going to say, you know what? You talk about the transfer portal. I mean, look at like, you know, with the guys you have coming in next year, you've got like Marcus Crowley, who's still kind of injured. You've got Steel Chambers. Mm-hmm. You've got all these guys. What, like, I mean... You know, what? this guy's what's going to happen. Teague's going to be coming back. Yeah. But, um, you know. Yeah, there very well could be somebody, at least one player in the transfer portal. I think that's probably a pretty good bet. Paige, before we move on, right. any other thoughts on the run game? No, I, you know, the other thing, it's not specific to the run game, but I felt like they scored those first two touchdowns so quickly that they actually had a, a massive letdown pretty much for the rest of the game. I mean, <laughs> even still, they, you know, went, went ahead and put up another 28 points or whatever. But from that moment forward, I mean, I think even as a fan watching the game, um, you know, it, it, I was like, this is over. I mean, I, I was wrong. And by the way, like we were wrong. We thought this would be a close game. Like this is not going to be even remotely well, that competitive. This- well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm kidding. I'll be going to the post office this week. To just shut your mouth. <laughs> There was one play in the run game, which Paige, I have to point out because I know it made you giddy when you saw it. It was a third and three conversion at the Penn State five yard line. Justin Fields lines up. It looks as if he starts in the shotgun. He creeps up under center. It looks like he looks to the sidelines as if he's going to call an audible and then just runs up the center's butt for a four-yard gain on third and three that sets Ohio State up to eventually get into the end zone. I know that made you very happy. It warms the heart. It, it warms the heart. That right? was very cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I, it, it, cool. And surprisingly, there was, multiple, there was a few more opportunities for them to do it later in the game, and they didn't do it, where I thought for sure they would. I mean, and, and I think when we talked at halftime, I was like, look, you could theoretically just run quarterback sneaks every play. They get four yards. You would march <laughs> down the field and score a touchdown. Like it's an unstoppable play. <laughs> yeah. The, the offensive line was a force yesterday and, and they gave fields all the time that he needed. Only sacked twice against a pretty formidable pass rush. Uh, as I mentioned before, I think Penn state has, they're very good at defensive end. They're very good at the front in the front seven. And I think that's the best defense Ohio state's going to see in the regular season. So kudos to the offensive line. Now that's what I think we all expected to see from the offensive line 
when the season started. They were a little lackluster last week against Nebraska, maybe shaking off some rust from the long layoff. But man, last night was what we all expected. Nicholas Petit Ferrer at right tackle. Looks like he's settled in very nicely over there. Yeah, Myers is doing well. Myers is doing very well. Yeah, Chad, what did you see from the offensive line last night that stood out? You know, I I feel like they kind of got they're you know they're they're still a work in progress. A lot of them, you know, it's they have not consistently played together as a unit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got some new pieces in there like Miller and and you know a couple others, but I think they took a step forward from last week. I think they're starting to get a little bit more in sync, and I just you know I think really by the end of the season, barring, you know, God forbid, no injuries to our offensive line. Mm-hmm. Those boys are going to be a, a very well-oiled unit um, when it count, when it, when it's going to really count. I'm with you. Yeah. I think it, it as good as anybody on the offensive line, Ohio state, I think Paige, before we move over to the defensive yeah. side of the ball, do you have any thoughts on the offensive line you want to share? No, I think we covered it. They okay. just played really well, uh, dominated. I mean, they did both lines dominated, but especially the offensive line and, you know, the holes were there and again, fields had all day to pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just like too unfair, yeah. too easy. You cannot make it that easy for a high state. And, uh, you know, it all comes down to dominating the line of scrimmage and they were absolutely, uh, dominant last night. I think we would be doing an injustice if we didn't like what Paige is saying after that first score, if we didn't give some big old props to Wilson, on that juke to the inside on that uh, defensive back because that guy was there, yeah. you know, I mean, to make the tackle on that play. And he, like, went to, like, fake like he was going to the outside, cut inside. That guy just, his feet were just, he couldn't even move. You're talking about the jet sweep? Like, oh, shit. You're talking about the yeah, jet sweep? Yeah, the first play, yeah, yeah, when he made that cut move inside, that was so nice that guy was like oh shit that, that was a beautiful play it's one we've never seen before we've not seen before wilson would not have been the guy i thought they would have run that play for page we were talking about triple distilled smooth jameson being the guy that would run that type of yeah, play I, you know but right. but but again you know day has completely opened up the playbook he's got the offensive line to do it he's got the trigger man and justin fields to do it he's got the playmakers on the outside to do it and I feel like we're seeing a completely new level to the playbook. You couldn't put that any better. It, 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 this is the best Ohio State offense that I can honestly say that I've seen in my lifetime. I feel like I can confidently say that they can go blow for blow with Alabama and Clemson. And again, that I think at the end of the day, that's how we are evaluating this team. Paige, what do you think from what you saw last night, if we're applying the Clemson-Alabama you know, can Ohio State beat Clemson, Alabama, and back-to-back playoff games for applying that standard? Yeah, I think I think that's a good way to look at it. I think you feel better about this team um, than we did after Nebraska. But then I also come back to I still don't think this team can beat last year's team. Mm. Um, so, do I think they can hang? Yes, I do. I don't think it's a foregone. I mean, it will take their best game, yeah. I think, to beat those two teams. But they have it. They can do it. They definitely can make it happen. And then, you know, the other thing is, um, you know, to have a player like Field at the most important position might be enough, right? I mean, obviously, Lawrence is as good, clearly. And the guy at Alabama, he looks like he can play, too. 
Right. But uh, I'll take my chances with Justin Fields. They, they, I mean, that, I mean, we're basically there, right? I mean, can we just say it? I mean, <laughs> the rest of the schedule, thank you very much, Michigan State. But like, we're now just getting ready for the playoffs. And who knows, you know, with Wisconsin, what's going to happen, you know, with oh, that yeah, whole situation. Point, but yeah. th- this, this whole thing is now just uh, a warm up act until, you know, the Big Ten championship. Um, and if it's Wisconsin, that could be a tough game. But what does this team do when they're going up against uh, Clemson and Alabama? Because the way the schedule is set up, I mean, pesky Indiana, like what are we talking about? Dude? Yeah, it would appear to be smooth sailing for Ohio State. But of course, you, know, you got to be careful when you assume that. There's always a bump, a weird game on the schedule that you don't anticipate. And I, I we may or may not see that this year. But right. but overall, yes, I, I, I tend to agree with you that that uh, they they cleared probably their biggest hurdle. They did it pretty easily and didn't even play a perfect game in doing it. Well, so the other half of that question, is Ohio State good enough defensively to compete with an Alabama or a Clemson, to get enough stops against those high-powered offenses? And did, did Ohio State answer some questions on the defensive side of the ball in that respect? I think we've got something special on the interior of the defensive line with Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett. Chad, I want to kick this over to you. Talk about what you saw defensively, especially on the defensive line last night that stood out to you. Well, you know, Togiai is like, he's a beast, man. He's, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, he's, a, he's a great to watch. Um, you know, who stood out with a couple of me too last night. Um, Tyler Friday had a couple nice uh nice defensive plays that mm-hmm. stood out to me, which, uh, you know, I really wouldn't think, you know, that's really not somebody's name that we just throw out there in, in talking about the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know he had a couple great plays as well last night. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like I wasn't like Vincent, like it was, he, like, I, I don't recall him being, you know, he played a little bit. Last night. Yeah. That was his first action in over a year. And I think he was just getting his feet wet. Right. Yeah, Togiai and uh, Haskell Garrett are holding it down in the middle for now. And they look to me as good as anybody on the interior of a defensive line. I mean, Togiai has three sacks from the nose tackle position. That's absurd. Haskell Garrett Garrett was not credited with a tackle for loss, but he was very disruptive back there. A little bit of a different approach defensively for Ohio State. The pressure is coming up, is coming from the middle. And, And honestly, if you can get consistent pressure from the interior up the middle, I think that's even more disruptive than pressure off the ends. Paige, what did you see from the defensive line last night? Is it me or is it only because Cooper wears the zero and it's so distinctive that it like jumps out at you when you're on the TV, but he had a hell of a game. He He was good. Very disruptive. Yeah. Um, And I, you know, and I'm sort of, making a joke there because that zero it's like man it's just it's amazing <laughs> what a difference i like makes that because i'm still trying yeah trying to figure out who some of these guys are right um yeah the defense played great and you know we'll probably get there um you know you talked about the line but the linebackers played well our boy tough Borland had a good game yeah he was good um you know it was all around great effort i mean the, I, I ironically the guy that you could say had the roughest game would be the guy you think is our best player, who's Sean Wade. He did have um, a rough but night. But some of that, that guy was just making yeah, he, some ridiculous catches. You know, it's like if you're going to make that catch, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like Wade was getting burnt. Like he was on the guy. The guy was just 
uh, I mean, ridiculous one-handed grab. So um, I but think he had gorilla glue really, on that glove. <laughs> yeah, Dotson had some stickum on him. I mean, come on, some man. Lester Hayes stickum <laughs> on his gloves. Yeah, he was good. Dotson yeah, was right? good. I, I want to talk about Wade and what we saw from the Ohio State secondary, especially late in the game, because it did get a little sloppy. But I agree with with the two of you. I think the front seven brought it up a couple notches. They were a little shaky, and and you give them the benefit of the doubt. A lot of rust to probably to knock off from the long layoff against Nebraska. Hey, give Nebraska a little bit of credit. They did some creative things in the run game. They've got two pretty slippery quarterbacks in the run game that are tough to bring down. So to me, what I saw is a, a front seven that took it personally. They took it to heart, that opening day performance. And they wanted to improve on that. And I think all of them, uh, the, the front seven was much better against a running quarterback in Clifford. Let's face it, Penn State was going to want to run the ball with Clifford. He was their best running threat. They're down their top two running backs. Paige, I said to you in the prediction pod that I felt this game was really tailor-made for the Ohio State linebackers, that they would have another opportunity to silence some of their critics, but that you know Penn State certainly for most of the game was not really going to challenge Ohio State down the field. And they really did until the fourth quarter when they actually had to throw the ball because they were coming back from a large deficit. But I give the front seven a lot of credit. I think they have something there on the interior. I don't think that's a fluke. I think Togiai and, and Haskell Garrett are legitimately good, impactful players on the interior. And then, hey, give you know, give Teron yeah, Vincent a few weeks to round into form, get his legs under him. Yep. He could be a third guy that could be a major factor for Ohio State on the interior. Yeah. I love what I saw out of Cooper. I thought Zach Harrison had a nice game. It was good to see him start. I think Harrison was in the doghouse last week. Nobody, none of the beat writers said anything about it. I think... They were probably told to keep it under wraps, but Harrison was clearly being disciplined. I mean, he was working with the threes in the warmups. He only played 15 snaps last week. He had the big tackle. It was a little reminiscent of the Penn State game, what, in 2017, where he tackled both Clifford and the running back simultaneously, <laughs> right? So that, yeah, was, that was amazing. That was a nice tackle. So I liked what I saw from the front seven and uh, give Borland a lot of credit, give Pete Warner a lot of credit on. Penn State's yep. first possession where they went for it on fourth down on their side of the field. Warner did a hell of a job flushing Clifford out of the pocket and chasing him down, forcing him to throw the ball away, giving the Buckeyes the ball back. And, and really, Ohio State seized control of the, of the game at that stage. So give Warner a ton of ton of credit. He was very good for them. Right. Right. I, I'm I'm not sure we can count on what we saw at a tough Borland last night each and every week. I think this was a game that was really tailor-made for his skill set, but I give him credit for stepping up. I've been very hard on Borland, as you both know. And same with Jonathan Cooper, who I think is a really good, solid rotational defensive end who can flash at times. I'm not sure I would expect both of those players to be you know, as impactful as they were last night for the next you know six or seven games, but they were really good last night. Give him credit. Chad, go ahead. You had some observations. I, I want to give some uh, big props up to our defensive coaching staff because, you know, when the game started out, they, they, they were um, confusing our defense. And, you know, those receivers were running those slot like routes, you know, across the middle and they were getting confused. Mm -hmm. And then you could see the adjustments made. And like there was a play that like distinctly sticks out in my mind where Werner was stuck in that. And then he was like, no, they're running that same thing, what we adjusted for. So then he got back up to the receiver. Oh, yeah, so that's right. You saw that. I was. I wanted to give the props to the defensive coaching staff. And I got to give some, like, you know, props to my boy, Barrett Browning. Did you see that uh, coverage he made in the end zone yeah, where he got nice back breaker. there and, and, and deflected that pass? On Friar Booth. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
No, yeah. that, that, really nice. Yeah, I thought they did a good job on Fryermuth, by the way, and they had several guys covering him. You also saw Josh Proctor drawing coverage on Fryermuth on a couple of downs. They're doing some interesting things with Proctor, by the way. Did you guys notice that? He's only playing third downs. Mm-hmm. They're using him in kind of that bullet roll near the line of scrimmage. I kind of like that role for Proctor. So, a PBH, any other observations on the front seven before we take a look at, at what happened in the secondary last night? I did notice what you just talked about with Proctor, too. Um, you know, he kind of reminds me of is like a, a lanky, rangy, um, what was his name? Spellman, who was the oh, defensive lineman. Alonzo Spellman, yeah. <laughs> Alonzo yeah. Spellman, right? Right. You know, just those huge, huge arms, man. And I don't know. I, I, I just think they need to find ways to, to have him in the game. I agree. Um, you know, he's. You know, he still might be a little raw and, you know, he might uh, frustrate you here and there, but just he has those football instincts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he was like creeping up into the box, almost like in the linebacker position. Yeah. Uh, and if we had sort of talked about that, I think, I think they might have, you know, found something there with that. And I think if any help that they can get in that area is, they definitely that's a good thing i agree with you i think he's probably a little too boomer bust for the coaching staff to trust him at that deep safety spot right you have to be a steady hand back there you can't take a lot of risks but it seems like he's got a nice niche there on third downs playing kind of that that star position that hybrid strong side linebacker safety role near the line of scrimmage i i thought he was good last night in that role all right well pbh you mentioned it sean wade struggled a little bit in the fourth quarter of that game he was pretty good for the first three quarters Johan Dotson victimized him in the in the second half, well, in the fourth quarter for two touchdowns. What did what was your takeaway from what you saw there? Is that something that you worry about going forward, or it was just kind of a situational thing, and you just give credit to Penn State for making plays? What, what did you think? Yeah, I think I mean, you know, you just sometimes guys make plays. Sometimes right. guys make amazing plays. It's the old John Cooper. Their players are on scholarship too. Um, <laughs> right. The guy just was. You know, was he was good, and he wasn't. You know, Wade was in position. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like the flip when Olave made um, that first touchdown catch over Porter Jr. Yeah. The end zone. Yeah, yeah, he was all over him. The guy yeah. just, you know, he just made a better play. It yeah. happens. It's football. I'm not worried about Sean Wade at all. I mean, it's. Uh, I think you just tip your cap to Dotson. He just was. He was. He was awesome. Yeah, so, I tend. I tend to agree with you there. I think. Penn State, that was certainly that's not the way Penn State wants to play, right? With Sean Clifford slinging it all over the yard, right? They were trailing. They knew they were trying to get back into the game and they went into, you know, they, I think they took risks offensively that they wouldn't normally take. Clifford threw virtually on every down. Now, of course, ultimately that caught up to him, right? Because Clifford threw a terrible interception to Hooker that really kind of, you know, ended any hope Penn State could have of, of getting back into that game. But yeah, I, I think Penn State was, you see that, right? I, I don't know if they were going no huddle, but it definitely opened things up and they weren't really worried about turning the ball over and really nothing to lose there. And you give credit where credit is due. Dotson made some great catches and pretty good coverage against Wade. I'm not going to worry too much about that. I, I, I can't imagine any of Ohio State's future opponents, certainly before the playoff, targeting Sean Wade in coverage, right? I think you're, you're, uh, you proceed at your own risk if that's your, if that's your approach. Chad, what did you think? You know, our def- like, like I, I agree with you guys as far as Wade. I'm not worried about Wade whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple plays I did see that I feel his coverage was not Sean Wade-like, if you will. Right. Um, but, you know, like Paige, Paige said, there, 
a couple circus catches that were made, you know, but that pass was, you know, any other place Wade would have been, you know, knocked it down or whatnot. And, you know, seven banks, I feel like he had a good game last night too. All right. So none of us seems to be overly worried about what happened late in that game. And look, as you say, Paige, they're on scholarship too. That's a pretty good Penn State team. So, so a, a pretty big hurdle in this shortened schedule for Ohio State to clear. And now we're looking at Rutgers next week in primetime. Who knew Rutgers in primetime in the shoe. Paige, do you have any other thoughts about what we saw last night in Happy Valley? Um, I would just say, you know, it kind of goes back to the other question you asked, you know, if they match up against Clemson. Clearly, uh, they're going to be targeting seven banks. They're going to be going after that guy. Trevor Lawrence is going to be going after that guy. Mm -hmm. And Cam Brown got hurt, so I don't know what... So so that, to me, is where the vulnerability is going to be for this team. And if something derails them from you know, getting into the playoff. Well, not even that. They're gonna they're gonna make the playoffs. I'm very confident about that. But to beat those two teams, that's the weakness. And that's what those, you know, good teams do. They identify it and then they pick at it. Yeah. Um and so, you know, I, I think there's still, you know, and hopefully they get better and they will, but I think banks and uh, you know, that other side of the secondary is still going to be something that Ohio State's going to have to worry about. Yeah, they're untested. And I don't know that they're going to see a passing game between now and the playoffs that, that are really going to test them. Yeah, to your point, Paige, I feel like Kerry Combs is going to be watching film. Like it, if there's anybody that I have confidence in taking those guys and letting them review their like mistakes over and over and drilling it in their head and having them ready – like when you like we're talking about you referenced Trevor Lawrence. I think, you know, Kerry Combs is the man that, that, you know, I, I feel very confident that he'll have them ready when we get to that point. Yeah. If, if, if well, he's got a- 1.5 million, I hope so. <laughs> well, he, there's good reason to trust his track record. <laughs> there's good reason to trust Combs's track record at developing corners. So let's hope as the season goes along, we'll, we'll see development there. Paige, you made a really good point and I forgot to, to mention that. Cam Brown going down with a non-contact injury. I don't know about you guys, but as somebody who's blown out an Achilles before, to me that looked like he might have blown on Achilles. Yeah, I, it just it just had that look of oh man, because it, it, yeah. it was yeah. I mean, he just kind of went down. You're like oh man, that that could definitely be his Achilles. And he had to be carted off, as I understand. It. I don't think we saw it on the telecast, but I saw a tweet or, or heard from one of the other beat writers that they actually did have to, to cart him off the field. So that's not a great sign. So the this would then appear to open the door for Tyreek Johnson. And Johnson is a player. Yeah, I mean, a guy I've been, you know, very hopeful we start to hear from. Now, Tyreek Johnson, this is a guy who is a, I believe, a top 25 recruit. In the 2018 class, I believe he's Sean Wade's cousin. They played at the same high school, built very similarly. Does this open the door for Tyreek Johnson as that nickel cornerback? He was a five-star recruit, uh, number two, you know, safety in the country coming out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, that that kid's going to be a baller. He's six one, 192 pounds. So I mean, I would love to see him in the game incorporated as well, but. You know, I like. I think we're going to be fine there. Like I said, if you know, with Holmes at the home there, I, I feel confident that we'll be back. And it sucks that Brown did that. That did look like a season-ending kind of kind of thing. So. Yeah, 
Let's hope for the best. Right? We'll hope for the best there. Yeah. Well, Paige, as you like to say, woe is us. You know, we're going to have to rely on a former five-star cornerback <laughs> yeah, right. uh, to fill in for Brown. Like, yeah. oh my God, what are we going to do? Uh, very nice win for Ohio State. They're 2-0. and This is exactly where you want to be. We're still seeing an evolution in this passing game that's very exciting. I feel like it hasn't hit its ceiling yet. And I think we're seeing some exciting things on defense, especially on the interior of that defensive line. So a really positive step forward for Ohio State as we move into week three against Rutgers. Okay, I wanted to take a quick look at the Michigan-Michigan State game from yesterday. What another disappointing performance by Jim Harbaugh and Michigan in a crucial, in a rivalry game and a game that matters. 27-24 was the final. Really, Michigan State to me seemed to be in control from the start. Now, they never really held a, a, a huge lead in that game, although they led by 10 late and kind of salted away the clock. But boy, Michigan State to me yesterday looked a little bit like one of those Mark D'Antonio teams circa 2012, 2015, where they just didn't give an inch in the run game, got competent quarterback play, just tough as nails, yeah. really frustrated and flummoxed. Joe Milton and that Michigan offense. Paige, I want to start with you. What did you see in Ann Arbor yesterday from Sparty against Jim Harbaugh's team? Well, I didn't see much of it. I only saw the first quarter, but you knew it was going to be a good game after the first quarter. I just figured Michigan would would eke it out. They didn't do it. Obviously, Minnesota stinks. So the luster is off of that win. <laughs> and Michigan is back to who they are. You know, it's, 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 Six days, you know, they were back to just being the, the great powerhouse and, you know, of, of yesteryear. And we're right back to who Michigan really is, who Jim Ball, Jim Harbaugh truly is. It's a freaking joke. I mean, at, you know, as an Ohio State fan, I want them to be good. Does it warm my heart when they lose? Yes. It, it is the proverbial win-win. But I think it's really good for them to be good. And Jesus Christ, hold up your end of the bargain, Michigan. It's pathetic. And yeah. I don't know where they go from here. You and I talked about it. You know, they lost a lot of guys. And yeah. I was surprised, you know, when everyone was, you know, back on the Michigan bandwagon after one victory that, you know, <laughs> this is the team. This is the year. And six days later, they lay this egg. It is. Uh, it's, it's almost too good to be true. But. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. It's outrageous. Uh, Chad, before I kick it over to you, I just want to I want to tell you what's coming down the pike for Michigan. Next week they're at Indiana. Indiana's proven to be a pretty pretty good team with Michael Penix Jr. I don't think I like Michigan in that game. The week after that, Wisconsin. Now we know Wisconsin's dealing with some COVID issues. If Wisconsin is whole for that game, you could be looking at a three-game losing streak for Michigan there. They're at Rutgers and then home against Penn State. They get Maryland and then the season finale in Columbus against Ohio State. Boys, I'm looking at one, two. I'm looking at four more losses for Michigan. At IU, Wisconsin, (laughs) Penn State, and at Ohio State, right? Would you agree with that? I, what do you I think, mean, Chad? Be hard pressed not to agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would be very hard pressed not to agree. And, and you know what? If you're a Michigan fan, man, I, I mean, it's I, see, I'm like, you know, there's guys like Gallagher and, and some other guys who just, you know, love Michigan to lose. Well, you know what? I, I I view it in a different light, like you know, because like it is our conference. It's the Big Ten. You know what I mean? Right. And Michigan is supposed to be 
a powerhouse football school and you know i want them to win every time because like you know quite frankly i want them to be undefeated when we play them and kick their ass but you know that's just it's it's that's not how the days we're living with michigan anymore and i mean if you're a michigan fan you just got to be you know suicide hotline like every other day like it's just crazy <laughs> but i i think what you, you also got to give mel tucker at michigan state some some good uh good props oh yeah you think about they get embarrassed by Rutgers, who is obviously just like you know i mean you brought shiano in there great but still if you go off the track record the last couple of years and you open up and you get embarrassed by Rutgers. so i mean you know mel tucker obviously got that shit together like kind of like dan tony was like this is like this is our rival game man so yeah. he got those guys you know pumped up and, and ready to play and and harbaugh it's just like they i feel like they don't even have a game plan you know yeah. they're, they're just out there hoping oh you know when i hope we win this one <laughs> you know yeah. i mean it's so outrageous yeah. and what really blows my mind guys is yesterday there was like more more than one of those clowns on espn game day who said that they had Michigan at their number 16 in the country. That's crazy. And I was like, what? Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it, I don't like, I, I like them to do well, you know, like Pete said, but it, it, it's, it's now it's, it's become laughable. It, it's really, it's, it's embarrassing. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I feel like, you know, it's just, it's sad. Is what it is. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a circus up there, man. Yeah, Paige, they're they're not holding up their end of the bargain. I think you put it really no. well when you said that they're not holding up their end of the bargain. They're paying Harbaugh what is it, seven eight million dollars a year? Is that right, Chad? Yeah, I think yeah. it's like it's at eight million. Yeah, so I I think it's pretty clear that that Michigan as a program has decided like, look, we're not going to wade into the same waters as Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. I think as a program, they seem happy with not playing at that level or competing at that level. But even still, you have to expect more than this, more than what we saw yesterday. I will give credit though, as as you said, Michigan State, man, they were balling out and they Rocky Lombardi, their quarterback, I, I told Paige, I told you yesterday, like it's not like Michigan State junked it up and, you know, made a they made this game, you know, like a, a fist fight in a phone booth. Rocky Lombardi was going down the field against those Michigan corners, complete long passes. Those receivers were coming down with the ball in traffic, making one-handed catches. Michigan State was really balling out. I mean, I I was really impressed with Lombardi. I remember seeing him two years ago in East Lansing when we played him there, and he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a football. The strides Lombardi has made as a quarterback, I was very impressed with what Michigan State did. And their defense looked very much like the defenses we remember from those great D'Antonio teams that just wouldn't give you an inch, completely stonewalled the Michigan running game. I still don't know how good they actually are. I I guess I can say that about most Big Ten teams at this stage. I'm not sure how good anybody actually is. But that was a very surprising result. That game was played in the big house in Ann Arbor. Another egg laid by Jim Harbaugh. And it makes you wonder how much longer is Michigan going to settle for this? Because I think all three of us agree they could be doing a lot better. Paige, would you agree with that? I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, I don't know that you can say that because I've mentioned it to, before. Is Michigan closer to like Nebraska than they are Ohio State? I mean, what if you if you move on from Harbaugh, where do where do you go? Mm-hmm. Right? 
you don't have the in-state football like you do in Ohio or Pennsylvania, for that matter, or Texas and Florida for the recruiting. That's true. Um, the brand is the brand. It's that's not going to you know get any better or worse. I wouldn't think, but I I just kind of you know it goes back to what you know we talked about when they play Ohio State. Is this a rivalry anymore? I I mean I don't know if they can actually expect to compete at the same level that they historically have done it. I mean, how much more evidence do you need before you just come to that conclusion? Yeah. And if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Michigan, (laughs) how much more of this do we have to see? Well, Hey, if if Rocky Lombardi is going to light you up for 323 yards in the air and three touchdowns, what's Justin Fields going to do to that defense? Oh, their their secondary is a hot mess. It's not even going to be (laughs) – I, I, I mean, Wilson and Alave will probably shatter every record in the history of that rivalry in four weeks or eight weeks when they play. Ugh. Yeah, there's a couple people like uh, Bo Schumacher. He's rolling over in his grave. Oh, I'm sure. And Michael Jordan <laughs> is wondering who in the hell from his brand decided to put the Jumpman logo, logo. Michigan <laughs> uniform. <laughs> He's like, Jesus, they're fired. Well, I always thought it was weird to have a basketball icon stitched to your football uniform, especially when it's a guy who didn't play for you. It was weird. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, that's a (laughs) – well, hey, listen, boys, we are well over an hour. I know you probably have other things to do with your Sunday. I want to thank you so much for making the time. And unless either of you have any other thoughts you want to share from the action we saw yesterday, I thought we would wrap things up. Chad, anything else you want to share before we go? No, I just uh, wanted to say it's great to be back home with you guys. Um, and I will say, um, I think I did predict the score of 42-24 Buckeyes. What was it, 38-25? Nicely and done, my friend. Been, yeah. We should have had an – what did we do have to bring up? I, what happened to our field goal kicker yesterday? So uh, – that's, 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 that's Okay. Yeah, sorry. that's a good – he was complaining of, of some t- groin tightness or something in warm-ups, Habio was. So they oh, were aware really? that he okay. was, yeah, he was a little dinged up. And of course he missed that, that chip shot field goal and they decided to give him the rest of the night off. But Javier's a good kicker. Uh, that's something to yeah, watch. That's but, why I was very surprised. Yeah. That's something to okay, watch. That, and, that makes me feel better. Be that I didn't know that I hadn't heard yeah. that. So that, that makes me feel better. So he was a little okay, mixed up. Cool. PVH, before we sign off, anything else you want to share from yesterday? Did Rutgers win yesterday? No, they lost. They lost Indiana by 16, I think. Indiana ha- handled them in Piscataway. Oh, they did. Yeah. Yeah, but they yeah. were much more competitive. Yeah, though. I was just – yeah, yeah. Did you guys, well, did you guys happen to catch any of that Maryland game Friday night? I was not able to see it. I just I, – I knew that it was very crazy. A lot of back and forth and Maryland blew yeah, a huge Yeah, it was lead. actually pretty exciting to watch. I mean, you know, for – not having any volume on and just like looking up at the, the camera while I was waiting for the band to come on. But uh, it, was, it was so exciting. But the hey, big can, yeah, like we said earlier, it's crazy. Well, hey, you know, against Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa can play. They've got a, a guy who can play a quarterback. Now, I don't think they can, oh, yeah. they, they can do anything to stop Ohio State, but they could make it interesting, especially if Ohio State's kind of not on their game. That Maybe they're not quite as focused. It was a weird game two years ago when we played them. There was a game we should have actually lost. Yeah. But that could make it interesting. Hey, who knows? Maybe Michigan State can do a little something. They've been a thorn on our side historically. That game is in East Lansing a little later in the season, right before the Michigan game. So, again, I, I don't know who's good yet. I don't know who we can really put our faith in. 
outside of Ohio State. It feels like there's a lot of unanswered questions and from week to week in this weird truncated season, you just don't know what to expect, especially with COVID. All right, fellas. Hey, listen, right. thanks so much for, for making the time. I'm going to let you go. We will reconvene middle thanks, of the next buddy. week and have a, a peek at the Rutgers matchup. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.